Welcome to the LizCast. My name is Liz, and this is a podcast where I talk about the things that get me really fired up, and that's a lot of different stuff. I want to talk to you about teaching. I want to talk to you about politics. I want to talk to you about friendship and travel and experiences and books. Don't forget the books and just other things that I'm thinking about. I know it's been a while since I last came to you with an episode, and that's because, you know, classes happened. When classes start and I throw myself into teaching and helping my students, figuring out what the best way to reach them is and how can I possibly meet them where they are and figure out where that even is and what they need and how I can try to contort a class called American government into being exactly what they need in this moment to help them not only interact with government in a way that is responsible and educated and effective, but also just how to be human in this world that feels like it's pulling us apart at the seams. It becomes hard for me to be introspective and to produce things like this podcast when most of my waking thoughts are going towards what do I need to do today so that my students have what they need to be successful today, tomorrow, and every day after that. And I say that not to suggest that I'm somehow selfless or that I'm a martyr or that I'm an exemplar of what every human should be. Only that I love my job. You know that. If you listen to me, if you know me, you know that there's nothing in this world I'd rather do than exactly what I do with my days during an academic semester. And so things like the podcast, they have to, they have to fall to the wayside. And as I try to figure out what the relationship I'm going to have with this podcast is going to be like, sometimes I just have to hit pause. So I appreciate that you're still subscribed and that you're listening when I put new things into this feed. And if you want to hear more of me, go to the Tiger Stories podcast that I produce for Chattanooga State because you can hear me talking to the amazing, amazing people that I spend my days with about 10 months of the year. But I'm coming to you today because it's the Thursday of my spring break when I'm recording this. And last night I went to see Glennon Doyle and her wife, Abby Wambach, on tour for Glennon's new book, which is called Untamed. They were in Nashville, and because of the COVID-19 situation, they are probably going to cancel a whole lot of their book tour dates. But they came to Nashville because last week Nashville suffered, well, really the whole Nashville area was um, the target of some pretty awful tornadoes that devastated much of that community, and they felt that it was important for them to come to Nashville and show their support for the people of that community. I had bought these tickets a long time ago, and I was so excited to go. I went with my friend Kelly, and we got to watch the whirling dervish that is Glennon Doyle, her boundless energy, and just delightful. I mean, just, huh. 
to spend a, an hour or two watching Glennon Doyle talk is to be overwhelmed by the wisdom that she cultivates through observation and introspection and just being alive. And really her whole book is about what it means when you're a woman and you choose to honor yourself over what the world has told you, you should do. And so Glennon talked and, and Abby asked her a few, um, a few questions, you know, to kind of get her talking about some of Abby's favorite stories from this book. And then Abby asked her a few questions that came from the audience. Unfortunately, my question did not get read, but that's okay because the questions that Abby chose were much, much better. And one of the questions, one of the last questions came from a woman in the audience who said, I want to be untamed. I want to live. I want to honor who I am and the, the wild that's in me. That, that's what Glennon calls sort of the, the unfiltered voice of the soul that tells you exactly what you need to know. But I just can't get to that place where I can stop feeling like I'm in battle with my body. How do you come to love your body? And Glennon's response to that, I feel like was one of the most profound and just completely honest moments of the entire event. Because she said, I'm not the teacher for that. If you know who is, please tell me. I continue to struggle with this because I want to be pretty. I want to be small. I want to be thin. And especially when I'm about to go stand on stages and talk to people like I am right now, I can't stop thinking about it. She said, 60% of my thoughts every single day of my life are thoughts about how I can be the most attractive version of myself. And it pisses me off, she said, because think about the opportunity costs of spending 60% of my day on something that is utter and total patriarchal cultural bullshit. So I don't know, she said, but if you find out, let me know. And I sat in the audience and I thought about what she had said in response to an earlier question that to me felt exactly like the answer and it's an answer that unfortunately doesn't just like solved. No worries. We got it. It's an answer that requires a lot of unpacking and a lot of work. And the, the heart of the answer is something that she talked about when she was asked, what's hard about your relationship with Abby? And Abby sort of leaned in and said, yeah, I want to know this too. And Glennon said, control. Abby sort of laughed, held her stomach as she chuckled. And Glennon said, I have really good ideas. I have the best ideas, in fact. And I used to say that I have leadership skills. But now I know I'm just trying to control everyone. Oh, boy, did that ever hit close for me. But I don't think that that's unique to people who are thought of as having control issues. And this comes back to the bigger point of her book and her work these days, and the work that I'm trying to do with my students and with my friends in 
my very limited yoga teaching or or coaching practice. I don't do a lot of that. But when I do, it all seems to come back to this central question of control. In her book, I'm going to read a little bit from a chapter called Erica's, which is a chapter, um, if you have the book, it's on page 112 is where it's, or sorry, 113. So if you have the book, this chapter starts on page 113. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I want to read a few pieces of it. Because I feel like this really captures what she's trying to say. And it, it comes up again and again and again and again in her book and in her talks, in her social media, everywhere. But I think we all need to hear this. And we need to hear it in the context of everything all the time. She's talking about her friend Erica, with whom she went to college. And Erica was an artist, and she loved making art and painting. But she took business classes. And she married with a guy who uh, went to medical school, and she worked in a corporate office to help him go through medical school. And then one day, she decided to enroll herself in art school. And Glennon asked her on a telephone call, Hey, how's it going? And this is where I'm going to start reading. She was quiet for a moment and then said, Oh, that. That was silly. Brad is so busy and the kids need me. Art school just seemed so selfish after a while. Why do women find it honorable to dismiss ourselves? She continues. Why do we decide that denying our longing is the responsible thing to do? Why do we believe that what will thrill and fulfill us will hurt our people? Why do we mistrust ourselves so completely? Here's why. Because our culture was built upon and benefits from the control of women. The way power justifies controlling a group is by conditioning the masses to believe that the group cannot be trusted. So the campaign to convince us to mistrust women begins early and comes from everywhere. We weren't born distrusting and fearing ourselves. That was part of our taming. We were taught to believe that who we are in our natural state is bad and dangerous. They convinced us to be afraid of ourselves. So we do not honor our own bodies, curiosity, hunger, judgment, experience, or ambition. Instead, we lock away our true selves. Women who are best at this disappearing act earn the highest praise. She is so selfless. Can you imagine? The epitome of womanhood is to lose oneself completely. That is the end goal of every patriarchal culture. Because a very effective way to control women is to convince women to control themselves. The only thing that was ever wrong with me was my belief that there was something wrong with me. I quit spending my life trying to control myself and began to trust myself. We only control what we don't trust. We can either control ourselves or love ourselves, but we can't do both. Love is the opposite of control. Love demands trust. Self-love means that I have a relationship with myself built on trust and loyalty. I trust myself to have my own back, 
So my allegiance is to the voice within. I'll abandon everyone else's expectations of me before I'll abandon myself. I'll disappoint everyone else before I'll disappoint myself. I'll forsake all others before I forsake myself. Me and myself, we are till death do us part. What the world needs is more women who have quit fearing themselves and started trusting themselves. What the world needs is masses of women who are entirely out of control. So I skipped a few pieces in there, but that's the gist of this chapter called Erica's. And I think that this is the answer. It's the answer. It's the answer, friends, to everything. We control what we don't trust. Control cannot trust. And trust cannot control. And all of that is bound up with love. You can't love what you don't trust. Because to love is to surrender. And so for those who are struggling with body image, people who are trying to control what they eat or how they move in a white-knuckled attempt to turn themselves into something that the world will praise, that's not, that's not liberation. That's not using your time and your energy and your heart and your love for things that are going to make the world better. The world is not better when women are thinner. The world is not better when women spend 60% of their thought time wondering about how they look. I can't say that I've fully conquered body dysmorphia or, or body challenges, body image. I, I haven't figured it out. I can say that in the last two or three or four or five years now, I have made tremendous strides in quieting the parts of my brain that want to spin on questions of body and how I look. I still have the thoughts. They come up unbidden and unwantedly. They just come. They're baked into our culture. When I see a picture of myself, my first thought is, wow, I did not know I looked like that. I wish I didn't look like that. And then I forcibly shove that thought to the side and say, look how happy I look. I'm so glad I have this picture so that years from now, I'll remember this moment. I want other people to see this picture so they can see that I'm not afraid to let myself be seen. And I refuse to spend one more day hiding and shrinking behind other people in the hopes that people won't notice what I look like. Because what the world needs from me is my time and energy and care and love directed at the people whose lives I can make better, which makes my life better. The world does not need me to go on a diet. The world does not need me to obsessively exercise. The world does not need me to walk around lamenting out loud how bad I'm being because I love cake and I'm unapologetic about it. The world doesn't need any of that. The world doesn't freaking care. 
the only people who care what you eat, how much you exercise, and how large you are, are the people who are spending their time doing things that do not make the world a better place. And I'm not going to be one of them anymore. So yeah, the thoughts still come, and then I shove them to the side and get on with the work of living my life in the way that helps people and makes my life sparkle with happiness. It's not easy, friends. It's not easy. And it doesn't happen quickly. It takes a lot of reprogramming. It takes reading and listening and curating your social media feeds and taking a stand. But something that Glennon mentioned last night, not about body or food or whatever, but about living your truth, living what your innermost wisdom tells you is the right way to live. When you do that, it can be scary as hell, but it gives everyone around you permission to do the same. That's what I think about when I share pictures of myself. I think about like how many people are going to see this and then say, oh, well, if she can do that, maybe I can too. And if I eat a piece of cake in front of other people and refuse to call myself bad or the food bad, but just revel in how much I love cake and how cake is really like God's gift to humanity. Can we just agree with that? Yeah. Cake is amazing. When I do that, I'm giving someone else permission to do the same. I reject anything that tells us to quiet the voices inside of us that know what we need. So I do hope that you will pick up Glennon's book. I know that she's not for everybody, but I think that her message is one that will resonate with just about every woman I know. Different parts of it resonate with different people, but we need to be having these conversations. And then we need to move the hell on and do the things that our heart begs us to do. If you're listening to this right now, please know your life is not about making yourself smaller or quieter, or friendlier, or prettier for other people. You have immense beauty right inside of you. And the more you let that show, the less anyone will care about the wrapper that it comes in. You are here to do more. And I want to live in a world filled with women who are doing more. So that's what I wanted to share with you today. That's what I'm thinking about here today on this day when the world is grappling with questions of, is it safe for us to gather? What's the group size that becomes too big? Should our campuses close? And for how long? How do we hunker down and try to protect our most vulnerable citizens and ensure that our medical system is not completely overwhelmed in a week or two, as I fear it will be? In this time when we're all turning our focus outside of ourselves and to the collective that is our society, locally, nationally, and globally, I hope we can all spare a moment to think about how these things that we spend so much of our time worrying about do absolutely nothing to address the problems that are in, in our world. And we need, we need women. We need you. I wish you all well. I wish you good health. I wish you wonderful Netflix binging and totally solid internet connections for the next few weeks as we all navigate this challenging time. I love you all. And I am so grateful for you. Thanks for listening and take care.
So thanks for listening and feel free to get in touch anytime. I'm at LizNorell.com, L-I-Z-N-O-R-E-L-L.com. And I'll talk to you soon, everyone. Have a great day.